right, everyone. Hello. Welcome to Inside Writing. Uh, this show is presented by Gotham Writers, offering writing classes of all types and sizes. You can visit us at gothamwriters.com. Before we get started, a few announcements. At any point in the show, you can use the Q&A function to ask questions of our panelists. Uh, most of you already know the lay of the Zoom land, but you'll see the Q&A button down there on the Zoom dashboard. You can put all your questions in there. The sooner you get them in, the better. So as soon as you have those questions, go ahead and ask them. You'll also notice there's a chat button now. We, we now have a chat for all of you to all of you attendees to talk uh, while you watch the show. So please, this may go without saying, but please keep the chatter to the chat and the questions to the Q&A. Any questions that have to do with the discussion, uh, go ahead and post them in the Q&A. Uh, also, if you want to get caught up on any episodes uh, of Inside Writing, either from this season or from season one or two, uh, you can do that on YouTube or on any major podcasting platform. And while you're there, like us, subscribe, leave a review. It helps spread the word. Now, on to the subject of the day, which is writing versus life, how to write when life gets in the way, all that good stuff. Uh, we're going to start with a quote, this one from Jennifer Egan, who said, you can only write regularly if you're willing to write badly. We'll get back to that shortly. But now let's meet our panelists. So first off, author of the debut memoir, Joy Enough, as well as pieces appearing in Paris Review, McSweeney's Story Quarterly, and more, Sarah McCall. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Josh. Hi there. <laughs> and our second panelist, uh, lead story architect for Star Wars, The High Republic, and author of the books Flood City, Ballad and Dagger, the Dactyl Hill Squad series, and more, Daniel Jose Older. Hello, Daniel. Hey, hey, thanks hey, so much man. for having me. Absolutely, thank you both for being here. So we're gonna start the questioning with a simple enough question. Sarah, I wanna start with you. What would you say is the number one thing that gets in your way when you're writing or, or gets in the way of having time to write? I would say the number one, well, very different questions, right? The, the, the number one thing that gets in the way of writing is probably desire. Um, I think there's a lot of ambivalence around writing. Sometimes I really want to, and sometimes I just would rather do anything than have, you know, what we call ass in chair time. So um, that's probably like the thing that gets in the way of my writing. The thing that gets in the way of writing time is probably just all the other things we want to do with our lives, right? Um, I have a 15-month-old baby, so that's a, a new challenge. Um, and then just like feeding myself, clothing myself, maintaining relationships. I mean, these are all kind of vying for attention. So between desire and um, like the entirety of the material world, <laughs> that, that those are the things kind of getting in the way. Daniel, what about you? Now it's two questions. So what primarily gets in the way of your writing and what primarily gets in the way of having time to write? Right. Um, one, one thing I, I realized a couple of years ago, actually, is that I had to become less precious by necessity about the kind of time that I had to write um, because I was on a lot of really tight deadlines at the same time and I was traveling, I was on book tour. Um, and prior to that, I had really been able to kind of take the time that I needed and take hours at a time and sit down, you know, at my desk and everything else and have all those cozies around me. Um, but in that period, I really had to write on the road. There were times when I was writing in taxi cabs, which I never want to do again. Um, 
But, you know, for that moment, um, that's what I needed to do to hit the deadlines. And what that did teach me is that, like, and this I took with me out of that, is that, you know, hopefully it's not as dramatic as having to ride in a taxi cab, but you do find that you can step up sometimes in ways that you didn't realize to get the job done. And, and so, you know, like now there'll be times when I'm like, okay, I really only have like a 20 minute window here, but it turns out you can get a lot done sometimes in a 20 minute window sometimes. So I, I do think it can be a, a kind of a mind trick, a life hack that you have to do with yourself a little bit to just try different things. Not, I'm not saying force yourself to write in really uncomfortable situations, but I do think you can surprise yourself and realize like, oh, and the other thing is it changes. You know, I used to be a night writer, writer. Um, and I, I worked the graveyard shift on the ambulance. So I was just tuned into the night hours and then I, I switched and I had to switch my creative hours too. And so it's really important to be in touch with when does that stuff, how does that change over the course of your writing life? Um, but in terms of things getting in the way, it is I've, more often than not, it's my dogs. <laughs> God bless them and I love them. Um, but you know, they have like, they when they wanna be walked, they will like, make it known <laughs> it's stuff like that but you know that's also really good because i think what we don't talk enough about is how much writing happens away from the computer and i know when i get stuck i need to take a walk anyway if i'm writing a story and i don't know what's going to happen like thank god for my dogs because i walk them and i figure it out on the walk right and <laughs> we talk it over or whatever so you know it's a give and a take mm -hmm. So you hit on a lot of points. I want to get back to the life hack, the, the writing on the go. Uh, we'll get back to those later. But you also touched on something else that I wanted to bring up, which is that you spent a decade on an, in an ambulance as an EMT. So how was your writing life then? How did you find that balance? It was hard. Um, <clears throat> it was also great in a way. Uh, we worked 12-hour shifts, right? So on work days, I did not write. Every once in a while, I, there was a slow unit at the top of the Bronx in a really quiet area where we would do like one job in a 12 hour shift or two jobs. And I would bring my laptop and plop onto the stretcher in the back and get words in. Um, but in general, I wouldn't like go home from a 12 hour busy shift and start writing. And that is a big piece of why um, I really do try to teach all my students this very valuable lesson that writing every day is not always the answer. And very often it is a road to feeling shame about the fact that you didn't write every day. And that's not really helpful. That actually stops people from writing. I'm not saying don't write every day, but I think the way that people give that as like a, this is the way it's done. And if you don't do this, you're not a writer is quite frankly BS and it's dangerous. Um, so, you know, I would work for three days and I would have four days off. And I wouldn't write all four days either. Um, and somehow I managed to have a career as a writer anyway. So I think it's really important to, you know, take those times. I would write, you know, a lot. I always write a lot. I love writing. Um, but yeah, that was one of the big lessons that I really came out with. Sarah, I'm curious, do you ever find that being busy helps your writing? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would kind of reiterate and, and agree with what Daniel was saying in the sense that I... I don't, I think we should be suspicious of putting writing on one side and life on the other and subscribing to some notion that we're able to balance the two. One, because it sets up a binary as if they're opposing forces. And I don't think that's right. I, I absolutely have experienced what, what Daniel has where, you know, you are interrupted and it's very frustrating because let's say you're, you're in a groove, but then you know, in my case, like it's time to get the baby up from the nap, right? But then like 
your mind is kind of cooking away on things in the background. And like, you're, you know, going for a walk, or you're like folding the sheets or sauteing onions or doing whatever you do. But like your mind is still working away at things. So I, I hope we'll talk more about that idea of all the writing that happens when you're not actually like physically typing, because I think that's really real. But I think like one of the most empowering things people can kind of do to reframe this oppositional sense is like your life animates your writing. Your life is what gives you material. Your life is all of the emotions and frustrations and love and experiences that go into characters and that teach you about conflict. And so I think that's kind of maybe like the starting line is that I try to not get so tense about um, them being as opposing forces and, and also like balance. What the heck is balance? Like we've just come off the craziest year. I bet nobody here today feels like their life is in balance. Like probably everyone feels like their lives are totally out of balance. So kind of letting go of that feeling that we somehow need to have equal parts creativity with like everything else in our lives. Like that's a pretty tall order that sounds like a very fast road to frustration. <laughs> so you brought it up. So let's talk about it, Sarah. When you say writing when you're not writing, what do you mean? What, what, what kind of writing are you doing when you're not actually writing? Daydreaming, you know? I think there's like, I'm, I'm serious. I think there's a total lack of conversation around idleness and creativity. I mean, there are so many studies that show that boredom is the engine for ingenuity. You know, like you have to get bored. And I think like, I, I'm a monotasker, you know, I do not like fractured attention. I do not like scrolling. Like sometimes I'll be listening to the radio and I'll hear someone being interviewed and you can hear their phone like dinging in the background. That would make me insane. Like I try to just do one thing at a time. So, um, but when I'm doing, okay, so, so boredom, I think, let's get back to boredom. Boredom is just like so important. Like put down the phone, you know? I spend a lot of time looking out windows. You know? I mean, it's real. Like I really just like, I crave a sort of um, idleness where then you're actually in conversation with yourself and you're in conversation with your own creativity and you're in conversation with whatever it is that needs to come out of you through your work. So uh, those are some of the ways, I mean, walking is a big one. Um, talking with people is huge. Like I, I really so much value the creative conversations that I have with other writers. So I'm glad we're here today, but like, it, it's a language that not everyone speaks, you know? So when you can speak with another writer about the language of creativity, and, and this goes interdisciplinary as well, like visual artists, filmmakers, like, just being able to speak about this totally unknown weird world that we enter and we spin out of nothing out of ourselves. Like that is a rare and special thing. So talking with other people, daydreaming, walking, reading, I mean, reading is huge. So th those are just like a few of a few things. I'm sure if Daniel names things, I'll be like, yes, that too. 
I actually think it's so great you said that because I'm sort of the opposite um, in some ways. And I think that's, but that's so important that people yeah. need to know that like writers, I love everything you said and I agree with it all too. I just know that I've found for myself and my own process, there are times when it actually really helps me stay focused for way longer if I'm jumping in and out of social media while I write, which I know is like not the going understanding of how to write. <laughs> like most people will tell you, get off social media and very often they're right. And there are definitely times I will also say when I will very intentionally put my phone in one room and walk to the front porch and just sit there, you know, with my coffee and the dogs. And that's when I, you know, a lot of creative thinking happens again, away from the computer and also away from social media. Um, but for the particular work of writing, I do often find that I will, I do really well sometimes where I will just get a paragraph in and then jump out there, throw a tweet out there and then jump back onto my manuscript. And then it's kind of like, you know, you say something and then like a whole bunch of responses come in and then you jump back over, deal with them. And, you know, it becomes a, uh, there's a rhythm to it that I've found that works. So the point of it really is find what works for you. Try different things, right? Absolutely. Idleness is clutch. Um, absolutely. The, the, I, I realized this yesterday. I did an outline for a comic yesterday that took me, I think, no, no, I did an outline for a novel. It was a YA novel and I did an outline for it and it took me like an hour. And that's fast for me, but it's also because I had done all the prep work I needed to do away from the computer. I had been thinking about the novel for a couple of weeks increasingly and I'd thrown some notes down a couple of days ago and I had a really clear sense of it, but I didn't have it all figured out. I literally figured it out as I wrote it, but those pieces were on place for me to figure it out. So everything I needed was there and then I just had to sit down and kind of tussle through it. And so that really goes to show like to Sarah's point, you know, you're doing the work which can be very pleasurable when you're just idly going through your life and you know thinking about your story or not thinking about your story and different things will pop up you know write them down jot them in a note for later so you can come back to it and that is the creative process we don't talk enough about it last thing i'll say is absolutely reading i love it especially pleasure reading i had to really be intentional about putting aside anything that wasn't pleasure reading for a period of time especially during the pandemic um to, to really focus on like pleasure reading, like the joy of reading. Um, I do think sometimes, I'm thinking specifically of on writing, which I love, Stephen King's book, which is one of my favorite writing guides. I think he over, he also says, write every day, which is, I think, bad advice. Um, I think he overemphasizes reading a little bit to the point where it's like, you should only be reading and writing. <laughs> and like, <laughs> that's not true. Sarah put it perfectly. Like the things, so much of the things we write about are the things we live, not the things we read about, right? <laughs> and we're not researching, like we're not doing that type of work um, and we're writing life and we have to live life in order to write life. Mm -hmm. I wanna just follow up on something Daniel said, cause I think it's really true. Um, that feeling of almost like a creative buildup where you can't get to the page for some reason or things are keeping you away, but the material is really accreting and amassing inside of you so that by the time you have an hour to sit down and write an outline, boom, like you can do it. So that is absolutely, I think, an argument in favor of not writing every day or not having some very strict schedule where sometimes it's just like you actually create the sense of urgency for yourself and, and a productivity if you kind of have some buildup happen first. Exactly. Yeah. 
I, I know the discussion's going good when you all are answering questions I haven't even asked yet. So <laughs> this is good. Um, I have a feeling we're both kind of talkers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so Daniel, I find it interesting that, that social media has become a part of your writing routine. I find that so fascinating. So I'm going to talk a little bit about both of your writing routines. And I know we've said, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a routine, but Daniel, you mentioned, you know, you'll set everything aside. You'll be in the room with your dogs and your coffee and you're ready to go. Is this a set routine for you or do you just kind of go day by day and see what happens? Um, it is day by day. The dogs are. That's okay. <laughs> Matter of fact, Sarah, why don't you, why don't you go to Sarah first? <laughs> yes. Sarah, what, about, what do you have a set routine or you just kind of see what happens? No, no. Um, I would say like before I had a baby, I saw what happened and I would, I was very precious. I was like, oh, I write in the mornings when life is fresh and my mind is blank. You know, it was just like, I, I just had, and I was much more in relationship with those feelings of desire and when I wanted to do it kind of, you know, um, now and, and in that time, you know, people would always say, like, have have a routine, have a structure, have a but that is really, as everyone knows, extremely difficult to create for yourself. And I think in this past year where I suddenly felt like everyone in the world was coming to understand the freelancer's lifestyle to some degree, like having to create your own structure. Um, I was like, oh, you get it, like you get what's so hard about it. But now I have this baby and my life kind of is ruled by a nap schedule, right? So if I don't work when I have the time and my partner and I kind of split up days, he's also a creative person. So, you know, he, he has the baby in the afternoon and that's my writing time. So I, I know that I have from one, you know, to five or six every day and there's other stuff that has to get done. You know, I teach, I have to call the insurance company and like whatever, but I try really, 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 really hard to not do too much of anything else that can be done during that time, you know, during that time. So like I try to make the phone calls when I'm out walking or I try to like do the errands that can be done, you know, with the baby. Like I really try to keep that time precious because like everyone wants to get in your way, right? <laughs> like, oh, can you talk on the phone? Like, do you want a Zoom coffee? And like, yes, I do want a Zoom coffee in a way. Like I crave human connection too, but like I have to get the writing done because if I don't get the writing done, I'll feel dead inside. Um, so yeah, I have my afternoon and I know I have my afternoon time and I try to make the most of it. I think I'm back now and safe. Go for it. Totally all of that. Um, absolutely. And I think Sarah's point is so clutch that there's different kinds of other non-writing activities, right? Social media is one, but the that business stuff, the bureaucracy and the BS and the assorted things that are like not social media, but and not writing, but have you in front of your computer. Those I find to be the most dangerous <laughs> and the most like grueling. I hate them. Um, but also it requires intentionality about like, okay, you, you know, writing time is writing time. Whatever you have to do, whether it's turn off your internet or just get everything done first, do that, you know, and put it aside. 
Um, there's different tricks with your email that you can do, whether it's like filing stuff or snoozing them. Like it's small stuff like that. Those are the hacks that can really actually make a huge difference in your process. The key is really, I found to be intentional about it. Um, but in terms of like, when you do really get that time and you carved it out and everything else is done or out of the way, um, what I have found, and this isn't an every single writing session thing, but it's a very often type thing is that if I sit down, first of all, like really be intentional about the space, even if it's, you know, not your office necessarily, it doesn't have to be a whole office. You don't need a door that you can close. Sometimes you're just in bed, right? But, or on the couch, but you still need to like have your music the way you want it and have your beverage the way you need it to be too, you know? So I will make coffee and I will put on the music. And sometimes I will really force myself to just sit with that coffee and that music and drink it um, and not jump right into writing kind of akin to what we've been talking about and just appreciate the music, you know, just think about what I'm working on or not. Um, the other thing is I will open up a whole, I have a whole other document that I'll just write, you know, basic journal stuff and not even like deep journal stuff, just really boring crap about whatever I'm feeling right at that moment. And what I did yesterday and what I'm doing tomorrow and how things are going, you know, and that one let, lets me keep a really good eye on my own practice and my own um, process so I can understand it better. And two, just gets, you know, warms you up. You just start writing and then you're just writing and then you're just like, oh, now I'm writing this thing I'm working on. And it really does, it's very different than just like trying to jump in directly, you know, into that, that water of the work that you're doing, which can be very jarring. And sometimes you get stuck. Like there's literally a traffic jam in your brain because you're transitioning from everyday life to creative life and they're different sometimes. And so I think it's important to be intentional. And I've just found that to be a very like relaxing way to start writing too, because you're not looking at your work count. You're not trying to make pretty sentences. Often they come out prettier than when you are. And that's cool. You can use them, you know, but in general, it's a very different way of using your brain than when you're writing a book. So Daniel, I'm curious then what, what happens if you have all this time set aside, everything is right and you're ready to start writing and you just can't find the ideas, the creativity is just not there. What do you do? I, I work out. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I got strong. <laughs> Writer's block. Um, no, but seriously, physical activity uh, really does. That's that's what you do. Usually, it's a sign of. There's different reasons for writer's block, right? And what you really have to do is get at the root of what the problem is. You might just not know what happens next, and then it's like go directly back to what we've been talking about this whole time, which is figuring out away from the computer because the computer staring you down is what's more intimidating. And if you approach it knowing more, it's not as intimidating. I also, the, back to the journaling for a second, I've been doing that. I've been writing journals on my computer since I was like 16, literally 16, not like 16. And people would be like, on your computer, that's so cold or whatever, you know, cause you're supposed to write it in a big tome, right? With like a, a feather. <laughs> um, but you know, like what it did for me, what was good about it is that it made me have a very friendly and intimate relationship with the blank page and that little blinking cursor thing, which other people can be terrified of because all the, the only time that you dealt with it in high school was because you were doing homework and it was like, what are you going to write? You know, this is doing like four hours. Right. And that sucks. But if you, if, if you, if that's a place where you unload, like you're, secrets and the things that you're not sure about and your fears like it just transforms your relationship to the page and the page is what you're dealing with as a writer more than anything else so um that's been that's been really really helpful and again like just journaling out just writing stuff sometimes will unlock whatever it is and then the last thing i'll say is drawing um which you could actually take to mean just doing a different creative thing 
But for me, like I'm a very visual learner. My first creative love was cartoons. And so I will draw out stuff. Like if I have a fight scene or something, I'll choreograph it. Or I will stand up and like act it out. Thank God my wife is a writer too. So she knows what's happening when I do that. <laughs> um, but really like gardening, like just your body has to move in some ways. And, and that really does um, like let things loose. Sarah, what about you? What if your partner's got the child, you've got your time. What do you do if it's just not there? I think, I think all the things that Daniel said, um, and I kind of also, I mean, I'm thinking what I've done most recently in the past year, like there's been a lot of napping, you know, like there's been a lot of napping, there's been a lot of daydreaming and we live in such a culture with a tyranny of productivity that it's like, well, if I can't do this, I must do something else. And, you know, it's like, nah. You know, nah, I think I need to like, if, if I can't like force it into being, then I need to take it easy in some other way. And that might be, you know, something physical, but it might also be just kind of like relaxing, um, talking to a friend, all the, the things that we talked about before about, you know, things that spark your creativity, but also, you know, that idea of a journal I started, and I wonder if you do this too, Daniel, in my journal, I will journal about my creative process. So like, okay. I'll, yeah. So like I'm in, I'm like venting about, oh God, like, I don't know if this character does this thing or like, I want her to feel this way, but what's the event that's going to make. So there's a lot of like talking about the creative problems and the writing problems within the journal. And I find that is very helpful as well. That's the only thing in my journal. And I, <laughs> literally, like I, I, sometimes I'll be like, maybe I should write this huge personal event that happened. It's really, it's, it's just not that kind of a journal. Like and for a second, I felt guilty about it. Like I got married while we were in quarantine and I realized like it wasn't in my journal, but it's a creative journal. It's not, it's not like today I got married. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, that's not what the journal's about. Sorry to the hackers who have gotten it and were hoping for juicy tidbits about my life. But it's really just like, but I will outline in the journal which I think is mm -hmm. kind of interesting because I never used to outline. And this might be taking the conversation in a whole other place, but I do find outlines like really fascinating. I've been a um, pantser, I guess, a gardener since for like the first 15 books of my career. I was just like, ah, we'll see what happens. Ah, blah, 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 blah. And it was like chaos. And I thrived off that chaos. And I was like, you're never going to get me to write an outline and then follow it. And, I, and then I did. And I now love it. I love outlining because there's still chaos within that within, I'm, I guess I'm just a chaos goblin, but, <laughs> um, but because of writing comics, it's sort of, that sort of got me into the mode of outlining. And in my last book, I really outlined the hell out of it. And now I'm just like, wow, this is really fun. This is what people have been doing all this time. <laughs> so, I wish I could get to that place where I think outlining seems fun because it does seem like a great time saver. I will say it is, it is, it is. things move much more, but you still, yeah. get, you still surprise yourself. That's what I was, I was like, I, I love that moment when I'd be writing a book and I'd be like, Oh, this guy's going <laughs> to die like mid chapter. And then you got to kill him or even like, Oh, he should have died three chapters ago. And then thanks to Scribner, you can just jump to three chapters ago and put a note, kill that dude and then keep going. But with outlines, like I still surprise myself. I outline, meticulously this last book i did rough drafts of my outlines of each chapter it was wild and i was still it got to the end i was like oh, that's the bad guy <laughs> like, it's wild that's amazing i highly recommend it. 
<laughs> so that, that was actually, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but Danny, I wanted to follow up there. Did you, you find it more economical in the timing department if you outline it first? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of time is spent in the process of being like, like I said, like, oh wait, what does happen next? Right. Mm -hmm. And even in a, like a micro way with comics, um, I will take the outline. I'll just write a bunch of, the process is very straightforward. I'll write a bunch of crap that I know happens and then I'll, I'll copy and paste it and then divide that up into pages. And then I'll copy and paste that into a new document. And that's my outline. And that's actually my final document too. And the simple fact of having the next page already there with a little note about what happens in it makes everything move so fast. And I know this because the times mm -hmm. I haven't done it that way, when I get to that next page, I go, <laughs> like, I just like, I just zombie out for like 20 minutes. I spend a whole bunch of time trying to figure out something that I've already figured out, but because it's somewhere else and I have to go get it, whatever. It's like weird little, again, like these little tricks of our brain, but if it's already there, I'm like, next page. Oh, there it is. And I just go. And then I, before I know it, I'm like 10 pages in. Things move fast, which all of which is to reiterate, figure out your process and, and then stay fluid with it because it'll change. And that segues into my next question, actually. Sarah, how has your writing routine changed over the years? And do you feel like you found a good one? Like, was there ever, you mentioned how it was different, obviously, before you had a kid and now it, it's changed a little bit, but do you feel like it's gotten better? And, and how did you find a good routine for you? Was it trial and error? Um, no, it was necessity, <laughs> basically. <laughs> it's like that time crunch and the demands of life making you try something. Um, you know, I want to say, just while it's in my mind, a very concrete thing about routine is that I think one of the hardest things can be starting when you sit down, you know, for that for that first hour minute or whatever it is of that time that you have. And so Daniel and I, I think, I think this is a very interesting conversation because we write very differently. I'm gathering and, <laughs> and not just around social media, but that's a big one. Um, but for me, I will do a very similar thing where if I have to stop, I'll write myself a note about what, what was happening in my mind and what needs to happen next so that when I return the next day, I'm not like starting fresh, you know, I have like a little note to myself about like, okay, where's this going? But I'm not an outliner and I am a very like intuitive writer. I'm not, I'm not very interested in plot in the books that I read. I'm not very that interested in story. I'm more interested in, tone and worlds and voice and like the mind that I step into when I read a book. I just love that feeling of entering another consciousness. So my routine in terms of like what I'm doing is very different, I think. And I think that speaks to like why I need to feel things and, you know, interact with the world in order to kind of like put together this emotional let's call it like an emotional plot or an emotional timeline um but i don't know if i answered your question about routine or or what did you ask <laughs> <laughs> you did i asked just how your routine has has developed and how it's changed yeah. and how you found the routine that works for you and you said it was by necessity yeah i mean that's that's the structure part i mean the much harder part is like what happens within the structure and like, I would love to get to a place where my process isn't just like pouring everything in and then waiting in and then like 
picking that out and picking, actually, it's not even throwing away the trash. It's like trying to find the needle in the haystack and, oh, there's a needle and there's a needle, you know, it's like, okay, there's got to be a better way. But I'm also just trying to relax into the fact that that's my process right now. Daniel, what about you? you you've gone from, you know, like, like we talked about being an EMT now to being a, you know, you have much more time period, I assume. How has your routine changed over the years and how did you find what worked for you? Um, trial and error for sure. Um, I keep going back to the idea that with balance, like you, you literally can't find balance without being unbalanced. And it's a simple thing, but it's very true. <laughs> and I think that sort of knowing that and to Sarah's point, sort of relaxing into that, um, is really just key to our own well-being as as writers and as creative people, um, and because it shouldn't feel like, oh God, I didn't do it the right way, it's over. You know, no, like that's how you get to the right way is doing it, and it's not even like there's a wrong way. It's like this was really hard because of this. This doesn't work because of that. So let me try it this way, and there's a downside there too, but it's a better. You know what I mean? Like you're, it's a negotiation, and ideally it's playful, and ideally you're fluid with it, and not like this is how it's gonna be because again it will change. Um, and that's yes, that's something I've had to track um, is the way that it's changed uh, at times because of necessity. You know, I also there's ways that you can control it. I had to be like, okay, I'm. I had to be very concrete about having deadlines at the same time. Um, and then there's things you can't control. Star Wars is very, um, has a very rushed schedule about everything, right? And <clears throat> a lot of the work is tied into other stuff, right? It's a big world that you're playing in. So, you know, there's things you have to release walking into that space, knowing that it's not your world. There's a lot of, that you have a lot less control than you do when you're just writing your own stuff. Um, and, it, you know, that's honestly taught me, uh, I've walked into it knowing that, and it's also just as, as I move through it, it's a process that really taught me a lot about releasing, um, kind of letting go and playing it in a sandbox that's communal and not just in your own backyard. And that's a great lesson to learn as a writer. You know, it can definitely be frustrating at times, but those are all things that really build up your skills and build up your humanity. And that's what makes us better writers. So one at the beginning of the show, we mentioned the quote from from Jennifer Egan, which is in order to write regularly, you have to give yourself permission to write badly. Mm. Curious, A, if you agree with that and B, how you do that. How, what is it? Like, do you do you accept that you're going to write badly and do you just kind of go with it and see where it goes? Daniel, let's start with you. Uh, definitely. Um, there'll be times when I, there'll be like a, it's almost like a climactic event it, the way in a book you know a character will have a, re a revelation and they're like oh i've been this powerful all along and then they beat the bad guy's ass or whatever that could, that happens like very in a very concrete way in the middle of a scene you'll be like oh, i'm struggling to this scene and then you're like oh like writing is not a performance art <laughs> it's not you get to go back and make changes but we think it is we feel like it is and we get stuck you know and then there'll be a moment where i'm just like ah i can actually skip this whole paragraph or I can just write this kind of like I can TK it and sometimes you have to write what happens next before you can write what happens before that and that's just the way of things right um so yeah I mean I think it's a constant reminder and I, I think we write better when we're not trying so hard to write well which is tricky um but journaling is another way that we can sort of I sort of learn that and there I do feel myself slip into like when I'm in my groove uh and when I'm when I'm really like working well with the story and we're in conversation, then I do slip it. And I recognize now what that voice is and that ease and that fluidity with the page and with the process is. 
and it's not always there. And, you know, I don't expect it to always be there, but when it's there, it's like, great. And when it's not, it's like, okay, I either have to stop and refigure something or jump to a different scene or take a whole break, or I just have to, sometimes you just have to push through and it's annoying. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? Do you give your, yourself permission to write badly? And how do you do that? Mm. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, this is a tough question. Cause I think, I think I don't give myself permission to write badly. I think I give myself permission to write incompletely. I, I do a lot of what Daniel's saying, you know, TK, 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 like, um, and I've never heard another writer reference that. So I think that's funny. Uh, but I, so no, I think I, but I also it's very uncomfortable. I mean, I think probably a not enough is taught about revision and how to return to your bad sentences and make them better. Um, so I think I have such a kind of like, I better, I better start with this as good as it can be. Um, so I'm slow, you know, I, I, I let my write, I let myself write slowly and I think I take more pleasure in the experience when I'm writing sentences that I like than when I'm just going for, let's say, word count. I've got to get 2,500 words down today and just kind of barfing it out on the page and be like, it's okay, I can return to it later. Like, no matter what version you get down, you're going to return to it and make it better later. So for me, I find it better for myself in the process to like start with a version that doesn't make me want to recoil in horror when I return to it. Cause like, I'm probably gonna recoil in horror anyway. Cause I would be like, oh my God, I thought this was good. But like, I liked to start from a, I thought this was good kind of place. So uh, Sarah, I wanna also ask you about uh, one thing that we often, there's so many you know lists out there. This is how you find more time to write. And this kind of goes hand in hand with writing badly. But one of the things out there is, you know, find ways to you know, bring story details, kind of shorthand yourself. So leave lesser story details for later. Do you find yourself doing that at all? Do you sort of shorthand your own writing or do you write as completely as you can on the first go? Oh, I put it all in. Yeah, I put it all in because... Um, I don't know. It's interesting having this conversation because I'm kind of reflecting on, on um, some people are like erasers, I guess, you know, they get their drafts down and then it's a matter of like culling and other people are, um, I think I'm a spare writer. Like, I think I'm pretty spare just a, across the board. So like the sentences are spare and probably the details are spare. But it's like, I'm, I, I think it's enough, you know? And so like more often than not, I need to add a little bit something more, but it's not because I held it back. It's because I probably wanted to escape an uncomfortable scene or I, you know, got bored and wanted to move on, you know? But it, I don't think I'm ever like, once I'm in, you know, once I'm doing the work, like I, I want to, the way to have fun is to do it, you know, like to do the best job I can do to write the most beautiful sentences I can write to feel the feelings that the characters are feeling. So like I'm in when I'm in and it's so hard to get in that like, 
I'm in when I'm in, you know what I mean? Like I'm, so I, I don't do a lot of like, um, eh, I'll get to that later unless it's something like emotionally, it's usually an emotional thing that I don't want to get into. And then I think, okay, I got to deal with that. Like TK on the death scene or whatever, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Daniel, what about you? Um, Yeah, I, it depends on the project. Um, I do tend to kind of just, I, I really tend to write from start to finish and that's what it's gonna be. be there might be, what I, what I do what I do TK a lot is, uh, and TK just means, yeah, I don't think we actually explained it. You know what, I forget, it's Latin, right? It, I thought it meant to come, but then I never understood why it was a K. It's probably putting K in front of words. I don't know. I, either way, it's editorial talk for we'll get to that later. And, it, and it, it's, it's handy because you can just then do a search for TKs and make sure you didn't leave any in the final manuscript and come back to whatever. <laughs> so if it's a character name or something, I do it a lot with, um, with Star Wars stuff because it might be a character that is already in use or I need it from here. So I'll just say, you know, this guy, TK, whatever, and come back to it. Um, but in general, if I'm writing a book, I will kind of go straight through the things I, I mark to come back to if I have a revelation in writing uh, about something that happens earlier, uh, what I don't do is go back and fix it. I do, like I said earlier, I'll just put a note in. And I find that to be extremely helpful because the motion for me has to be forward. Whether I have an outline or not, it really always has to be a forward motion. Mm. And when I get to the end of the book, I kind of think of it like Orpheus. Like if I look back, everything will turn to dust. Um, But when I get to the end, I'm done. And now I go back to each of those things where I made the notes, whether it's DK or just in the notes in the Scrivener project, and I will fix those. And that's my first draft once I've done all those changes, right? Um, and that really works for me because uh, it's about momentum, it's about uh, flow. And I think those things are really important. My guiding kind of um, quote, I guess you could say, as a writer in both career and process um, and creativity it's a poem by Antonio Machado. He says, Caminante no hay camino, se hace camino al andar, which means walker, there is no path, you make the road by walking it. And I feel like that is so clutch. <laughs> like, again, even with an outline, there's a truth to that. Even in your professional life, there's a truth to that. You have to have a machete and you have to forge new paths because there's no one that's doing it the way that you're doing it. And knowing that, it means you're never really lost, right? If you have your machete, you're never lost. You might feel lost, you might be scared, you might not know the way forward because there is no way forward, you have to make it. And that actually is fun and exciting if you lean into it. It's also terrifying sometimes and that's okay too. So I, I wanna get to audience questions because we've got so many coming in now. So uh, first question, Sarah, I'll, I'll start with you. When the desire is not there, how do you trick yourself into writing anyways? I guess I don't like, I think that's my point is that um, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I maybe like, I just lean into not writing um, or, okay, let's go with it. Let's say like I, I do for some reason, <laughs> um, like I have a deadline or whatever. Um, I set very wimpy goals, you know, like I say, I'm just going to write a hundred words. I'm just going to write 250 words. 250 words is usually my, my wimpy goal. Um, I think also like, you know, we talked a little bit about space and like how you can have these rituals of your music and your coffee. 
And sometimes the rituals can feel um, like they're making the, it's getting too pressure. You know, there's too much pressure. Like if you're in your office and things are all set up and you're surrounded by your works of great literature and you're like, oh God. Um, sometimes I write in bed, you know, like I feel very comfortable there and I feel like I'm kind of like, oh, it's just, I'm writing in bed. It's no big deal. You know, I kind of, I try to find ways to slide in. So another one might be like, um, like we were talking about writing on in taxi cabs. Like I've written in grocery store parking lots, you know, I've written on my phone, which in a way doesn't feel like real writing, but like I need to find a way to lower my sense of expectations and the pressure that I put on myself. So it's just like finding little mental tricks to make it not seem like the stakes are so high. Totally. Yeah, there's a whole um, genre of cell phone novels in Japan. Yes, and like Twitter novels, right? Yeah, it's really great. So that, yeah, I think that's really smart is uh, we do put pressure on ourselves sometimes. And sometimes we do it to ourselves. Exactly that, right? Like the bookshelf behind me. It's like yeah, yeah, exactly. Works of literature staring down at you can be equivalent to the blank page staring up at you. Like, so what you go right? You know? Yeah, um, totally. I, I definitely think those, there are definitely times when I, yeah, I haven't had the ability to stop because of deadlines. Um, and then I, I love Wimpy Goals. I think that's brilliant uh, for sure. Right. I think sometimes it means you write a different scene and sometimes what you're getting stuck on is because you need to write something else to figure out what happened in that scene. Or maybe you're just not excited about that scene. Maybe that means that scene shouldn't be there. You know, sometimes it's a way of checking in and your your creative brain is like, yo, that scene doesn't belong. You really don't want to write it. Sometimes there's a reason like that. And sometimes you're just tired, you know. Um, I Back when we could go to coffee shops, I would go to coffee shops sometimes and that would really just focus me in a different way. And I would find myself like knocking out whole chunks of work. It's not something I like to do a lot. So I kind of save it as like a reserve. But, okay, I have this huge thing I need to get done and I'm not really feeling it. So let me really take myself into a different, basically changing settings, whether that's in bed, on the couch, in a coffee shop. Um, if you find the right crew, it can be really cool to work with other people. And, you know, you just have to make sure they're not chatty people who chat. See how I didn't That is hard. That is really hard. Especially (laughs) nowadays where you haven't seen people in forever and you want to just catch up with folks. I personally don't love hanging out on Zoom anyway. So like, you know, it's kind of easy for me in a way to just whatever. And then, you know, cohabitating with someone who's creative, she gets it. And so, you know, if we're both working on something, sometimes we can have work dates and that's cool. Um, we can also bounce ideas off each other. But even if it's not your partner, it's it does also really help. In fact, I just said this on TikTok the other day. <laughs> was, um, TikTok, by the way, is a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, like sometimes just like we get caught up on, again, the idea of being in front of the computer, but also like I find talking the story out really opens it up sometimes and, and it also keys me into as I'm telling it um to my dogs or the tree outside or my wife or a friend you know or whatever like as I'm talking through it there, there there'll be little pings of real realizations and understandings um saying it out loud the roots of storytelling are in spoken word no it is not writing is not a performance art as I said earlier but it goes back to us telling each other stories on the corner, at the bodega, you know, around a campfire, whatever it may be. That's what we're doing. We're storytelling. And we can lose track of that sometimes. Like, it's not about plot. It's about story. And and the story is really the heart of everything we do. So when you say it out loud, like, you realize things. Like, where does it drag? What does it make sense or add up? Like, what's funny, but it's not supposed to be? 
what's really funny and it is and it should be like I will crack myself up trying to explain my own books <laughs> usually it's a good sign right <laughs> like sometimes you're like wait this is supposed to be like a really serious <laughs> why am I laughing <laughs> there you go so next question Daniel I'm going to start with you mm -hmm. the question is I'm a newer writer so I'm not being asked to write anything yet how do I settle on an idea I'm dealing mm -hmm. with idea overload Oh yeah. First of all, write them all down just in a, just keep a book, you know, a, a journal and put them all down and put them all on the same page, even just a one, one sentence description. If you're like me, draw a little picture with it, you know, whatever it is that just has it. So you can look at it all. You want a bird's eye view of stuff. That's another handy thing about Scrivener on the book level. You um, have a running outline being created next to your book because it's chapter scene, 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 chapter. And so you can see it from the top. Uh, and that really does help kind of have an understanding of the, the larger flow of the beats of the book that you wouldn't see when you're just deep in it. So it's that. It's, and then really, once you look at it all, there, there's going to be one or maybe two that really are pulling at you. Do what you do, you know, start those and see where they take you. And then there might be a moment when you need to stop and a different one's going to pull at you. Right now, you can do that. You have the privilege of not being on deadline. So take advantage of it and let yourself jump from project to project. See, you know, you just want to feel stuff out right now because you're finding out who you are as a writer, which you always will be. But later on, you're going to be on deadline. So you won't be able to just switch. So for now, jump around, try this, try that, see what works, try different mediums. It might be that it's a script might be that it's a novel you know just allow that freedom to take root and be playful sarah anything to add about how to settle on an idea no i think idea overload is a great problem to have and once you get it all down and you start with one you realize eh, it actually nah and, and move on to the next one and just to be loose about it so next question, Sarah, we're going to go a little over today since we've got a, a small uh, a delayed start. But next question, Sarah, for you, do you have advice for writers who are on the threshold of sending queries or proposals, but life is getting in the way? Perhaps tell us about what prompted you to send out your first query or proposal to make writing your life. Oh, this question is so interesting, right? Because like, I can't help but kind of hear like this, like life is getting in the way of sending the query. But of course, I want to know like, why? <laughs> what is what is in the way? I mean, when, um, when I was ready to send out queries, I was like, I would run on the treadmill and do sprints and imagine that I was running towards a book deal. Like I was insane, you know? <laughs> like, so I, I felt... Um, I was ready to send out the queries, you know, like, so I think this is actually kind of an interesting question, which is like, maybe, maybe you don't feel actually ready to send out the query, you know, like maybe, maybe your work is still incubating and it's gestating and you need more time with it and you're not ready to send it out to the cold light of day and, and to like your precious thing to be rejected. And if that's the case, then maybe there should be an intermediary place that you send it, which is like to your friends, to a trusted reader, you know, like kind of figure out how to like wade into the water a little bit. You know, again, this idea of kind of like sliding in a little bit because because there's such an interesting resistance in that question that um, I just I feel like I'd be remiss to not mention. 
I, I, I totally agree with everything you said. Definitely, even whether or not you're hesitant, definitely send it out to other people before you send it on submission. You want some feedback, you know, from your beta readers, from your whoever it is that reads stuff. Um, absolutely. I, and I think it's like there, there's a danger in both kind of extremes. Like, because sometimes we will because of imposter syndrome, because of so many different things, we will just trick ourselves out of ever sending stuff in. And it, it can look like perfectionism. You know, it can look like, oh no, this has to be X, Y, Z. You need a full finished manuscript before you approach an agent, unless you're doing nonfiction. Um, and you want it to be great. You, it's what you're you know, taking to the world. You don't want it to be a mess. You want it to be your best work, but you cannot afford to be a perfectionist at any point in your writing career. It's very dangerous. It will hold you up more than anything else. Um, it's a, I think it's a trap we kind of set for ourselves and it sometimes allows us to never put ourselves out there. And I think there's a danger in that. I agree though, sometimes stuff isn't ready and we need to be aware of that. So the trick, the heart, the challenge in all of this is being able to distinguish, am I, am I just tricking myself out of putting myself out there because I'm scared and I don't want to put myself out there because it is scary? Um, am I scared of success? Because that's another thing that we don't talk enough about. People are sometimes terrified of actually when things go well and then um, we can subvert ourselves. And um, or am I like, is there something that needs more work and my attention? So I think just asking that question of ourselves as writers can be a really important step and really trying to figure it out. Daniel, I feel like you're speaking to me. Like all of that stuff about perfectionism, I think is is such a great point. I'm I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said the stuff about fear of success too, because I think that's also real. I wasn't so tweeting you, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I needed to hear it. Okay. So, it's <laughs> so I want to get one last question in here. Just a very simple. I know we've talked so much about making time, about writing routines, but Sarah, if I asked you to just tell people what one line of advice to people who think they just don't have time to write, what would you tell them? I'm putting you on the spot here. Mm. I mean, life is short. Like, do what you want. You know, like, if you really feel like you don't have time to write, don't write. Like, you know, like, writing should come with pleasure. Writing should be a joy. Writing should be something that more often than not, like, is a process that you enter into because you like it and it makes you feel good. And even the struggle of it, even, even the confusion and the completely frustrating like oh what is this character supposed to do and what is supposed to happen and what do I do next because even that is like ultimately the most satisfying work you can do like do it for that if you feel like you don't have time for that stuff you probably don't have time for it you know like actually I'll tell a very brief anecdote which is that when Toni Morrison was an editor at Random House she she was the single mom of two kids. She wrote a long list of everything she was being asked to do on a yellow legal pad, you know, like edit people's books, like fancy people, big fancy people's books, edit these million manuscripts, buy milk, pay the electric bill, you know, whatever. And it was totally overwhelming. It filled this whole page. And then she wrote a second list of what she needed to do. And there were two items on that list, mother, her children, and write. Mm. So have your priorities, you know, like know what your priorities are. And if right now your life doesn't make writing a priority, then it's not 
a priority right now. And it doesn't mean it's not going to ever be, but maybe just right now it's not. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I work harder as a writer than at anything I've ever done. And I've done, I've waited tables at midnight diners. I've been a medic, you know, I've done all these like very hard working jobs. And being a writer is the hardest in terms of work. Um, and I love it. And I, and I love the work. I love writing. I love the process. You know, I love those. There's been a couple weeks at a time where I'll have to get up at daybreak or before it and grind through the day. And I love that. Like, it's hard. Um, and I struggle, at, you know. But like I said before, to me, the, the, the real grind is in, like, bureaucracy, you know, doing my taxes. Like, that kicks my ass. But um, I love working hard on writing. And I know that's not true for everyone. And I think, like, there's room for... And there's certainly days that I don't love writing. It's not like every day I sit down and I'm ready to go. Like, I don't want to give that impression. There's hard days and there should be. And that's part of it too. That's why it is actually work. It's not just play. Um, I do think the, the advice I would say to that is that, you know, you need to use the same amount and kind of creativity that you use to write your books to figure out how to write your books. And we're not taught that. No one tells you that. Uh, and, and on the same page, when then you get published books, you need to use the same kind of ingenuity and creativity that you use to write your book and to come up with stories to manage your own career and figure out like what are the moves you need to make. Your career as a writer, your journey as a writer is the greatest story that you're ever going to tell, period. It is down. It's better than any of your books because you're the protagonist and you have to figure that out and make decisions accordingly, um, not just kind of get swept up in the tide of it passively and hope that it works out. Um, and that can be daunting, but it's actually fun because at the end of the day, if you are a writer, your brain is a creative brain and it wants to do creative things. And if you give it the room to be creative about, you know, marketing, if that's what you decide to do with your book, if it's about your career moves, about when you write and how you write and what your process is, it will get excited about it. And, and, it, and it won't just shut down and be like, oh, this can't happen, bye, sorry. You know, so be creative about how you write and when you write, what your process is, and you will find the way to enjoy it. So very last thing, I want to give you both a chance to promote your upcoming, if you have anything coming out, anything that just came out. Daniel, starting with you, what do you have? What, what, what should people be reading of yours? Right behind me. Okay. Um, so this is my latest book. It's called Flood City. It's a middle grade sci-fi adventure. This is my most recent adult book. It came out um, November 2019. It's called The Book of Lost Saints. It's narrated by the spirit of a woman who disappeared during the Cuban Revolution and now is in New Jersey as a spirit um, attached to her nephew, who's a uh, hospital security guard and a DJ. And they go back to Cuba to unravel the mystery of how she disappeared. And uh, I'm always writing a Star Wars comic called Star Wars The High Republic Adventures, which is for all ages. And uh, my next YA comes out in, in May of next year. It's called Ballad and Dagger. And it comes out through uh, Rick Riordan's imprint and it's uh, urban fantasy. I'm really excited about it. So lots ahead. Very nice. Sarah, how about you? Um, I have a memoir called Joy Enough that you mentioned at the beginning. And then I also just recently, I'm working on a new project and it kind of is in a lot of the topics that we've talked about here today about process, about motherhood, about time. Um, urgency in art. It's a Substack newsletter. It's called Lost Art, and it is about creative work by mostly dead women. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. I love that. I like it. That's great. Well, thank you both so much for being here. To all of our listeners, uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to be talking about writing contests. So join us same time, same place. Daniel, Sarah, thank you both so much. Thanks for having us. It was great Thanks, to talk Daniel. to you. Thanks, yeah. Josh. Yeah, it was great meeting. Take care, everyone. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.